This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Uh, humans are the only species who have put the onus of survival on the baby and making sure their bones aren't formed enough. Motherfucking horses grow like weird fleshy gums on their hooves to prevent them from hurting their mothers. But humans are too stupid, so they're just like, make the brain soft, make the brain cage soft, and then squirt it out. Evolutionarily, it's because we're too smart. We are apes that are too smart for our own good. Well, Brain too big. The head. Vagina too small. The head. The head isn't even the biggest issue. It's the shoulders. It's the shoulders. It's, yeah, it's the shoulders. It's that's the, the shoulders. Problem. So why are our shoulders not fleshy and cartilage until you get out? I wish I well, had shark it's shoulders. Well, uh, our our shoulder or like our our fucking collarbones aren't fully formed. Yeah. That's how we get out. Is like the you can you, the, the baby's can, shoulders can kind of. Yeah. It's the the audience can't see this, but we're I, I'm just kind of he's mashing his tits together up. like a low rent whore. I'm 100% for CRISPR only in the situation that they make shoulders cartilage. I just think that we sh- we need full boned babies. I'm tired of these boneless <laughs> babies. I want a bone in baby. You don't realize the damage that a fully bone in baby would do on the way out. <laughs> you want all you want all flats or all drums? We. <laughs> Are wanna, you, are you telling me that we would have to go baby. to 100% cesarean birth? We could do that, though. We have the technology. We could do that. I mean, we not have. the accessibility, though. In fact, just cock up the vagina. Cock it up. Get some get some <laughs> fucking putty. Get some I fucking have... mud and cock it up. Fucking get, the, get your fucking putty knife out. Cock it up. Sand it down. Cock it up. Sand it down. Cock it up. Sand it down. Paint over it. Done. All right, End of story. We don't need them. Why was queso puss no good for the opening and this is sudden? <laughs> Alright, I guess I gotta start the episode. Hey, hello, how are ya? And welcome to Worst in the Industry Podcast. Uh, today, this triumvirate of collectivist sheep will lead you through the winding narrative on how the wolf and the farmer have been working together the entire time. This is gonna be a Tyler-centric episode, and we're gonna focus on a figure from early American bullshit fraud lore and to lead us into that is going to be our main man tyler Zelinsky. all right well uh my name's tyler and uh i probably wouldn't be a great old-timey doctor because i don't have a goatee to his right uh my name is uh justin st peter and i absolutely would make a great old-timey doctor because i have a goatee my name is colin stanley i have the mustache of a dead civil war general and the colon of a dead Civil War general. Take us away, Tyler. All right, so a lot of people aren't really aware of John Brinkley, but they should be, because he has one of the most interesting stories I've ever read. And uh, my main source today that I used is a book card called Charlatan. Phenomenal book. I would suggest everybody picking it up, because there's a lot of things that I have left out of this, even though this is going to be a two-parter. 
uh, there's still a lot of things that I left out that are very interesting. So, John Brinkley. Quack, huckster, fraud, grifter, and appropriately named charlatan. This flim-flam alcoholic MD, PhD, MC, LLD, DPH, SCD wormed his way into making the equivalent of over $6 million a year by playing to people, but especially men's greatest weakness, their dicks. Ah, they're boners. Also, I feel like you just read me digits of pi. Like, you lost me after (laughs) 3.14. I was going to say, it sounds like a very specific porn subreddit. Yeah, he claimed to be, like, a doctor and everything. So, he used his soothing voice. He had a... It was weird. He had, like, this, like, southern drawl. But, oh, like, he um, had something a little bit like this. Yes, like... but but with a Midwestern pace. Oh, God. Yeah, so he had, he had a very weird but, like, soothing voice. And he used just enough Latin medical jargon. And most importantly, the defining look of the doctor of the time a van dyke goatee and a lab coat really doctors were actually known for yes having doctors van dyke. were known for having van dyke goatees specifically if you had a van dyke goatee and a fucking white jacket you were a doctor basically oh i thought i thought they had to have the shiny head things for the the light reflection okay well i guess i lied to the audience i don't have a van dyke <laughs> so uh he was born john romulus brinkley later changed his middle name to richard why wouldn't he keep romulus that's sick as hell i know it's a sweet middle name but i think it's because it made him sound ethnic and he hated italian yeah he was born july 8th 1885 in beta north carolina to john and sarah candace burnett according to himself he knew from a young age that he always wanted to be a doctor his early family life was really really weird So his dad was a country doctor, whatever that meant in the late 1800s, probably. It it meant that you dealt with horse birth as often as you dealt with human birth, and you had better luck with horse birth. Oh, It's like like being an alcoholic midwife. That's what a country doctor was. (laughs) So, uh, John Sr.'s first marriage was annulled because he was underage. Um, And then he married four times after that, outliving all of them. (laughs) Wait, he was underage? They oh, were both underage. Dude, oh, okay. He was pulling that fucking old-timey move where you're like, oh, the the widow Beaumont has, is looking for suitors. And, like, the widow Beaumont's got, like, a gout-ridden pussy. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll eat it. I'll eat it. And he just licks his, his fingers. And it's just like, oh, and, like, makes the mouth sounds because he's trying to get a hold of that fortune. <laughs> so... When he was 42, he married a a woman named Sarah Mingus. Sarah's niece, also named Sarah, moved in with them. And for a distinction here, everyone called the older uh, Sarah, the one that John Sr. married, they called her Sally to differentiate. Oh, so it was Sally Mingus. Yeah, Sally Mingus, but, you know, her real name's Sarah. So there's two Sarahs. The one John married's name is, I'm going to call her Sally. I'm okay? pretty well acquainted with Sally Mingus. I keep my girlfriend happy. Hey-o. <laughs> Hey-o. 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 Sally Mingus, the cunning linguist. <laughs> um, so, uh, not long after, John Sr. had an affair with his wife's niece, and Woo! she later gave birth to John Romulus Brinkley. His niece. 
He had an affair with his niece. That's he had how an marriage affair works. with his niece, yes, by marriage. I, okay, I just want to say this. In his defense, do you think he just got confused because they had the same name? You know, I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that. Uh, his biological mother died when he was five of tuberculosis. Uh, he, his father, and his aunt mommy, uh, who he referred to as Aunt Sally... Moved into East LaPorte, uh, North Carolina, and not long after, when he was 10, his dad died. Uh, and he went to, yeah, later after that, he went to school where he met another Sally, Sally White. She was the daughter of a school board member. Um, so Brinkley went to school. Uh, I think he dropped out at like age 15 or 16 or whatever, you know. As was the fashion at the time. That's a lot longer than most people went to school for. But from there, he went to work as a telegraph operator uh, at Western Union. And in 1906, he received news that Aunt Sally was not doing well. She died on December 25th of that year. And she was comforted by Sally Wyke. And they married a month later. So they traveled around as, quote, Quaker doctors in Tennessee. What, did they just rub oats on people? Oh, no. come on. <laughs> I don't remember what... It's, I think the Quakers also made, like, I don't know, spoons? No, okay, let me... No, just, that was the Oneida family, and they also did a bunch of fucking... Brief aside, the Quakers, actually, great fucking people, great religious organization. They did a lot of good in the early Americas. I'm sure somebody will come in and try to um actually correct me, being like, oh, they raped all those people, and they set that fucking family on fire. I'm sure they did. But generally speaking, as compared to other religious organizations, they didn't kill a bunch of Indians, and they didn't enslave black people, which is, you know, the baseline for most of them. Yeah. So they, they traveled around as Quaker doctors, even though they weren't actually Quakers in Tennessee, um, and sold, you know, snake oil treatments. There's a great quote from the book that I'm going to read now that talks about what these snake oil performances were like. Oh, there was a performance attached to the snake oil. Just wait. Quote, They usually performed at night. A platform was unfolded and torches placed at each corner while, as the audience gathered, drawn by handbills and word of mouth. While there is no specific record of a Brinkley performance, there was a set pattern to most Quaker doctor shows. First, a fiddler or a dancer got the crowd warmed up. A short morality play followed, which... Usually a noble head of house or ringleted female died pathetically for lack of a miracle tonic, identified by name. And finally, the physician himself shot on stage in a dinner plate hat, a cutaway coat, pious pants that buttoned up all the way sides, teething and touting, singing and selling, waving a bottle of Ayer's cathartic pills, or maybe Burdick blood bitters, or Aunt Fanny's worm candy. One thing for sure, whatever it cured was what you had. With the unerring nose for wherever the money was, Brinkley had already become the American archetype, quack on the boards. For in our nation, with its special genius for swindle, where swampland beefsteak mines and tickets of, to non-existent attractions basically sell themselves, medical fraud has always been the king of the cons. At the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago, a man dressed in a cowboy appeared on stage and strangled rattlesnakes by the dozen. He called what came out of them snake oil, and people bought it. That's where snake oil comes from. They bought snake blood. So basically, this cowboy walked on stage and just strangled rattlesnakes and then squeezed some shit out of them and was like, 
This will cure whatever you got. It'll cure what ails you. Yeah, it'll cure what ails you. All right. I have two points that I want to bring up from Let's that long it. that long quote. All right. First of all, I think they just described how we want to do our live shows if we ever get the opportunity. Oh, yeah. We're, <laughs> There's selling, like a morality we're selling you guys play. Miracle Tonic. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna mir- go. The- oh, we're going to need a fiddler to warm people up. The Miracle Tonic is Bud Light. That's the that's the that's the, the clinch there. No, and no, then, no. It's going to be swill that we made ourselves. Yeah, it's Bud Light. That's what I said. Anyway, <laughs> the other thing, Aunt Fanny's worm candy. Yeah, sounds that was like, a real thing. That sounds like a male virility drug that Alex Jones sells. And here we got triple Patriot points on Aunt Fanny's worm candy and free <laughs> shipping. <laughs> By the way, guys, free shipping site-wide, Infowars.com. This isn't Stop. a plug. I'm just a fan. Stop. Don't what? bring it up. Don't don't give him air. If they're if we're going to do that, they're going to pay us for it, okay? <laughs> Stop giving it away for fucking free. I will take Sorry. Alex Jones' money. I'll take his money. Because it's better guys. that I take it than one of those other fucking chumps takes it. I have been taking so much brain force. Is I'm on like, another planet. You gotta drink those Miller Lights because the That's brain why, force. Because I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta slow my brain I gotta down. Slow down. It's moving too fast. Oh, is, going is too that fast. what you were in the bathroom with at the party last night? Because I thought you had an eight ball in there. Yeah, no, it's super male vitality and brain force mixed together, so you get the dick and the brain hard at the same time. <laughs> get your brain, brain hard. Force gave you a nosebleed. You know what? My brain doesn't feel erect enough. <laughs> I think I'm gonna take. <laughs> if your brain got hard, would it shoot out your eye sockets or the top of your head? It would take the path of least resistance. It would probably either come out of your ears or your eyes. Yeah, your ears. No, there's bone behind your eyes. I, well, I, well, there's like flesh. I th- oh, no, you're right. Because there's like a little hole. Yeah, yeah there's, there's flesh like, there's, bone. The orbital bone goes like way back in there. Man, your brain would shoot out like fucking f- goddamn silly string. Just <laughs> God, there would Man, be a lot of I pressure behind silly that. string. Next time we hang out, we'll get silly string. Where can you even buy Silly String? Party City. Yeah, dollar store. Can you really? Shit. It's super flammable, too. Nice. (laughs) Just word to the wise. (laughs) Word to the wise, just so you know. It's like napalm. Anyway, uh, so then they settled in Chicago and had a child, Wanda Brinkley. John, wanting to be a doctor, but also not wanting to work hard for it, had a choice to make. Either go straight and go to an AMA, American Medical Institution, American Medical Association, accredited school, work hard, and receive a medical degree, like his later rival, Morin Fishbeam, or go to an unaccredited, eclectic university, and you can guess which one he picked. With a rival with the last name Fishbeam, uh, he's definitely going to the weirdo university. He went to the University of Phoenix. Fishbeam Fishbeam actually went to a medical school, and he was very, very, very smart. He was actually a very good doctor. Fishbeam. Fishbeam. Yeah, so... Um, eclectic medicine was really, really popular in the late 1800s due to medicine at the time not being what you'd necessarily call effective. All of medicine basically was people like John Brinkley, just hardcore alcoholics that threw anything at the wall to try to cure people. Like, oh, your stomach hurts? Let's just swallow this mercury. We'll see what happens. Oh, you, you got an infection? Let's see what radium does. Like, <laughs> you got ghosts in your blood. Take some cocaine about it. Yeah. Eclectic doctors made up about 4% of licensed doctors at the time, and they used uh, herbal remedies to try to cure people. So generally, people tended to feel better after getting herbal remedies that didn't work, as opposed to being, like, bled out or fed toxic chemicals. 
like, you know, they weren't cured, but they, like, felt better than if they went to an actual doctor, you know? Treated the symptom, but not the cause. Eclectic doctor has the same ring as Christian scientist to me. I'm trying to imagine a doctor describing their practice like Fraser Crane describes his living room. <laughs> and it just, like, it doesn't... It doesn't track for me. That doesn't grok over here. So, uh, John Brinkley eventually found his fake medical school that he wanted to go to. Bennett Eclectic Medical College. The reason why so many people did this is because it was much easier to path due to being the, quote, old grandmother and witch doctor treatments by the AMA. Also took way less time. So, he borrowed the $25 tuition fee from a loan shark, which he never paid back. I'm sorry, my wallet just took that straight to the jaw. How much was the tuition you said? $25. Wait, what year is this again? Uh, this was the early 1900s, so that's about $2,000. Minimum. No, not even that. No, that's like... $5 was like $100. So if it's $25, it's like... All right, I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna say this was 1908, just because that sounds that sounds good. Uh, that was about about 700 bucks from Charleston. Quote: Student by day, telegraph operator by night. He grabbed 10 cent dinners at the nightfall downtown at Pittsburgh Joe's. It was a punishing routine, but no one ever said he was lazy. He drank, and as time went on, he drank more. Like a lot of other people in Chicago, the city's livestock-flavored water, courtesy of the stockyards, sickened or killed a disproportionate number of citizens and drove others into a sort of defensive alcoholism. At least that was the popular excuse. For three years, he kept it all going, but the work in the liquor wore him down and increasingly more morose. There he sat nuzzling steins in the company of vagrants and pickled eggs while the swills were being sipped by Benictine and gazing out, the window at their sailboats. Meanwhile, his wife, Sally, was developing into a harpy of Greek proportions. The problem wasn't so much growing differences between them as it was discovering that they simply didn't like each other. Sally had his number, though. She could see by his brooding that he was gearing up for a big change. He had a trick, and she later said, of always pitying himself to gain confidence. When he quit school with a year to go, Brinkley said it was because he didn't have the money, but he might have done the same anyway. To a certain kind of mind, graduation is cheating. Yeah, it's like we talk about that whole thing uh, with like H.H. Holmes, right? And uh, like some of these other like historic con men where technically like just becoming a pharmacist or like becoming a doctor, even through like a shitty school, is technically way easier than keeping up a series of interconnected long cons. Yeah, oh yeah. But because it's easier, it's not as fulfilling, and you feel like you're, like, a piece of shit about it. So, the, the fucking little, little dopamine hit you get from fooling fucking rubes and making them drink mercury and snake bile is like, you can't beat it with a fucking piece of paper. Oh, no, I mean, I mean, it's, there's no two ways about it. Lying is fun, and getting away with a lie is even more fun. But it's bad, and in this case, it fucking kills people. That's why I used to be a salesperson, because lying is fun. So, uh, he dropped out of school. He got rid of his wife and kid. Not even <laughs> bothering. Yeah, no. What, did you tie some rocks to their ankles and chuck him in the fucking river? Nah, man, he just fucking left. He just dipped. 
And he didn't even divorce his wife. He just dipped. The, the same way that LRH and fucking H.H. Holmes and all of those other early 20th century schmucks did it. Yep. They just up and left. Yep, and he, uh, he wandered around the Midwest just drinking heavily everywhere he could. If he had money, he was at the bar same. drinking. Well, it's a good thing that so was everyone else in the Midwest. Defensive <laughs> alcoholism is how I described it to my psychiatrist. So uh, eventually he landed in St. Louis, Missouri. He was denied a degree from the fake medical school he went to because he didn't finish. So he paid $100 to get an even faker certification from the Kansas City Eclectic Medical <laughs> University. <laughs> Amazing. They're like... Yep. They're like, oh, wow. you already went to school? Yeah, we'll just fuck it. Oh, you got a hundred bucks? Got a hundred dollarinos? Fuck it. Got a hundred bucks? Yeah, so uh, then he made his way back up to Chicago, where he met his soon-to-be business partner, James Crawford. And for historical context, he had one arm. They don't go into why or how that happened, but he had one arm. Apparently that was important enough to include, even though they don't know why or how. It was just... Just throwing that in for color and flavor like a he, bay leaf. He used that as, like, part of his charm, kind of. Like, <laughs> oh, I, look at this. I got one arm, huh? Isn't that fucking weird, people? No, think yeah, about but, it this way, right? Think about it this way. And I, obviously I don't know much about how this is going to pan out. But imagine you see, like, this old disheveled man with one arm, right? And then he drinks the tonic. And all of a sudden he's like, I can lift a full-grown woman above my head with my one good arm. Like, there's a lot of cons you can run with a one-armed man. That does open up some doors and make it much harder to open up every other one. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, that's Son good. of a bitch. That's good, you piece of shit. <laughs> so, in the early 1900s, journalists were furiously writing a series of articles about snake oil salesmen, and Crawford and Brinkley knew this. So they needed something new, something fresh, something with some panache, you know? Frog oil. So, they hopped on a bandwagon that was new and exciting. Band o oil. Electric Stop. medicine. Electric medicine, okay. They opened a clinic called the Greenville Electromedic Doctors in South Carolina. Greenville went as doc Dr. Burke, and Brinkley went as Dr. Blakely. Electric medicine was a very interesting fad that started after the invention of the light bulb. People saw a new technology and was like, this must cure everything. Uh, electric medicine is also the name of our new funk project. It is. Electric medicine is our band name. I play the theremin. <laughs> so, people thought this is amazing. This has to cure everything, right? There were electric bats, electric corsets, electric belts, electric hairbrushes. Anything they could put the word electric in front of, people would flock to and buy. A far cry from modern electrical medicine... Uh, such as, like, muscle stimulation, which they do now, uh, people would have something done to them. Like, they'd get an electric shock and were like, oh, that felt weird. It must have done something. <laughs> I think my heart's beating different now. I it, 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 I'm not going to lie. People still do that. It's I work with a guy who walks around with a an electric acupuncture tool, which is essentially just a, a stripped-down strip electroshock stimulator for a clitoris. But yep. it's just in, in, in the shape of a vape pen. So he just shocks himself all day? Shocking, yeah. shocking muscles, though, is, is like, real. That's real yeah. Oh, yeah. medicine. Yeah, muscle stimulation. But there's a lot of there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things involving, like, medicine or medical technology and stuff like that. Oh, uh, yeah, where, absolutely. Where like, where, like, the placebo of you thinking it does something makes you feel better. 
you know? Yes, and, and there is tons of electro-stimulant medicine that actually does work, but there is still flim-flammery out there. Oh, like, tons. Uh, electroshock therapy, it's not called that anymore, I don't believe, but electroshock therapy uh, is still used, um, and uh, if you're involuntarily committed in a psychiatric facility, um, they're able to do it to you. Nice. Um, they, they need, like, a guardian's consent, but if you got, like, you got, like, a really abusive person who's in charge of you legally, which never happens in America, they might, they might zap the shit out of your fucking brain, uh, which works sometimes, and they don't know why, and they, and then it, sometimes it wears off, and sometimes it, like, solves the problem permanently, it's really fucked up, but it just goes to show you that all we are is, like, cholesterol in a bag. That's that's all yeah, human pretty be- much. It's like somebody like cleaned their grill and then dumped it into a fucking freezer bag, and that's your brain. That's, no. that's basically it. So, every day, everyone from farmers to bankers lined up at this clinic. The sequence of events would go something like this. You'd enter, you'd be questioned by John Brinkley, he'd take some notes down, and then he'd spend an afternoon shooting different colored waters into your ass. <laughs> if you'd ask... Wait, 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 wait. Enema or syringe? Rectal syringe. So pointy enema. Basically. Um, and if you asked him why he was doing that, he would drunkenly answer that it's electric medicine from Germany. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so why does this guy sound exactly like my dad in my head? Ah, uh, it's electric medicine. It's <laughs> electric medicine. It's electric medicine. Germany. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Re- I want us to... Germany. Can we rewind computer in hands and zoom in on what Ty- Justin just fucking said? You just said that your dad was was in circumstances similar to shooting a syringe full of colored liquid up somebody's ass. And he was drunk, which means he was probably around you when he was saying that. Was your dad shooting colored liquid inside your butt? No, not mine. So, uh, a few months later, they skipped town, and they went down to Mississippi. Ooh, the mighty Mississippi. In their wake, they left somewhere between 30 and 40 investors with bad checks, and they relaxed when they got down there, because they're like, oh, you know, we got away, right? It's, they're never gonna follow us down river. Yeah, they're never gonna find us, number fucking one. Number two, they're not gonna go out of their way to come find us for bad checks so when they went down there uh he met another woman named minnie she was the daughter of a prominent actual doctor and an old colleague of crawford's four days later they got married and they went out west for their honeymoon he never told her that he still had a wife until they got there until they got there you know what that's big of him yeah, it's big of me. Big of me. I just hey yo. Can, can we just take a moment, real quick? Uh, I would really appreciate it if we could just play out how that conversation went. Uh, Justin, I will be your uh, new blushing bride, uh, and Justin, you will be uh, the charlatan himself. I'm the charlatan. Oh, my dear sweet, newly minted husband. So long in this bleak beautiful land have we journeyed out west to find your fortune you filled my heart with joy and my womb with your seed i trust you beyond reproach well i shall not uh, 
I, I shall not abuse that trust as I will continue to fill your womb with my seed and your rectum with my oddly colored waters <laughs> as well as, uh, you know, spend more time with you. The electric uh, medicine uh, it, from Dresden, Germany, as you previously Yes, the electric medicine from Hamster, Germany. Uh, now, uh, we will continue to spend more time uh, here on the plains, my darling, amongst the prairie dogs and the buttes. But first, there is a piece of uh, information that I must impart upon you that I have kept from you since our betrothal. What could it be, Mr. Brinkley? What could it be? I would believe anything that you told me. My head is full of spiders and cobwebs, like an old-timey cartoon rabbit. You are not my first wife. Oh, I did not take you for a widowed man. That's good. Because I'm not. Because <laughs> I'm not. I got a kid in Chicago. I, I got, what fuck, what was this kid's name? Wanda. I got a little Wanda back in Chicago. It's going on way too long. Yeah, it has. It's outlived its fucking lifespan. Wanda. Wanda, I filled your womb like an honest with man. With seed and your rectum with my electric medicine. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was so, last night a little rolling the hay with the old wife gave him my electric medicine, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, you. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, thought you wand. It's, that's, that's Electric Medicine's first song, Hitachi Wand. Hitachi Wand? So they uh, they went out to, I believe it was California, for their honeymoon. And when they came back, Greenville sheriffs were waiting for him. Dun, dun, dun. Which is incredibly uncommon for the time. And he was transported back to Greenville to serve a sentence. And Crawford was later picked up as well. What was he sentenced with? Do we have note of note of that? Um, I don't fraud. believe. I think it was just you know fraud for the. It was for the bad checks. General right, tomfoolery yeah. and shenanery. What are they? Miscreancy. Ca- what do they call it in Canada? Uh, um, God, you can get charged with like, like, like being mischievous or something uh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh yeah be, 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 mischief is an actual mischief charge. criminal mischief criminal yeah. mischief criminal it's mischief. not just canada you get, i think that's also some states i'm pretty sure we're too old to be charged with criminal mischief that's no, our we'll first album like that's our first felony. album electric medicine's first album criminal, criminal mischief. mischief criminal mischief Ooh, uh track like one hitachi wand track two criminal we mischief. play an upright bass with a japanese dildo we call that electric just medicine. Slapping it, slap the base just, with the just dildo. beating the shit out of it. <laughs> I'm, I use a big rubber penis for to play the theremin. Sounds like a Tom Morello over there. It's, there's a, there's a lot of dildos being used in playing of these instruments. Well, that's the basis of electric medicine. So he was in he was in prison for a little bit, um, but due to his father-in-law paying his bail, he got out. And him Thanks, and his daddy, <laughs> and him and Minnie moved around for a little bit, um, but in 1914 he took over for a doctor that was moving out of state. What he wanted to do there immediately from the beginning was make a name for himself, so he did what every IT guy does at work. I'm calling out somebody in particular who doesn't want to be on the podcast. Apparently, apparently he's too um, good for us. 
he walked around or you know how like it guys or like anybody that wants to look busy they just walk around with like a laptop or a clipboard to make them yeah you grab a you have a clipboard or a ladder and you walk around and you point at shit that's yeah. that's how i stayed employed for a year and a half so what he did was every morning he would get on his horse and he would charge out of town to make it look like he was going on some like emergency you know call you know this did not work. <laughs> but he did make enough to pay Bennett Medical College enough to give him credit for what he completed there. And then he enrolled at another eclectic university and finished, allowing him to practice medicine in eight states. Okay, him finishing seems highly suspect given his previous attempts at eclectic college. And also, this is like... The early 1900s version of getting dressed for work, going to the bus station, and sitting there all day so your wife doesn't figure out you're unemployed. Like, yeah, like this guy's pulling oh, like a John list. Yeah, like BTK. BTK had a job. It was fucking. Well, no, but he did. He, 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 he did held down a job the bit. whole time. No, no yeah, no. You're you're thinking of John List. John, it the is John family list, annihilator. Right. Yeah, he was a family. Yeah, I mean, he's literally where this trope came from. So, thanks, last pod. Don't, no, Thanks, don't, last pod. Don't, don't cite him on the podcast. We, I'm. It's we okay. like that's where we get. It's we all listen you're to not it. Paying for the spot, you guys. You gotta commodify the entertainment. God, Colin, I can guarantee oh you, God. if somebody listens to us, they already listen. I'm to our last as pod. our registered agent and the guy who's gonna have to file our taxes next year. I need you to stop giving away spots for free. We need to get paid somehow. Agent. I don't want to have an office job for the rest of my life. To. I want to get out of there. What did we talk about the other day, We're Justin? networking. We're networking, Colin. Anyway, so, in 1916, he worked for a while as an animal doctor at a meatpacking plant. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a question. What does the animal doctor do at a meatpacking plant? Yep, yep kill him. it's dead. Well, he, makes, he makes sure... The animals don't die too early. Oh, good. He literally just keeps them long, alive long enough to be killed in the right spot. I you like, got it. When you say too early, I like the... It's it's not that he's making sure that like, the, the child, the baby animals are raised properly. He's just making sure, like, man, this one's real sick. Make sure it can walk that extra ten feet. Basically. <laughs> I don't want to get blood all in the fucking shithole. I want to get blood on the tiled floor. <laughs> So, he did what anyone would do in that situation where you're doing incredibly boring work. Like, he didn't really do a whole lot there. It's like you guys said, most of the time they were just like, fucking kill it, skin it, get the meat out of it, right? So what he did was he sat there and he watched goats fuck. Commenting on their, quote, considerable lubricity. When you say lubricity, is that like how wet their pussies got? considerable lubricity or how much cum was spilling out was 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 there an explanation provided that's the or... quote was there that like is... a goat cum riptide just All right, like now i need to now i need to google lubricity i'm 90 percent certain he's talking about how wet their pussies were no i'm pretty sure that's what it is too but i i need to be certain i don't think there was any context i think he just said the 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 
their lubricity. Oh, yeah. Lubricity yeah, is the specific measure of the reduction in friction and or wear by a lubricant. The study of lubrication and wear mechanisms is called tribology. See, that's okay. not that's not a metric you could get by watching, though. That's only a metric you can gauge by He was doing. studying. He wasn't he was, watching. He, was he had doing. some beakers out. Maybe. He was comparing volumes. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. It's real. Ah, it's real lubricitous. It's real, real lubricitous. Man, these goats, they're just fucking wetter than a burlap cat. So <laughs> They're wetter than a burlap cat. I'm keeping it. Yeah, you know what? That's the take that's making it in. All right. Um, so then, uh, he served in World War One for two months. <laughs> Doing what? Watching goats fuck? No. He was a he was a reservist medical doctor, um, but he was discharged due to his constant drunkenness, his nervous breakdowns, and him always complaining that he could never do anything due to quote rectal fistula multiple rectal fistula comma multiple multiple beautiful. That's what I put on my draft card when they sent it to me in the mail. So. I'm going to read a, a little bit of a, it's, it's a little bit of a long story, but it's interesting. So he got back after he got discharged to uh, Minnie, and I think they already had two kids at this point. He came back. His wife, his wife showed him an advertisement in a newspaper that said a town is looking for a doctor. He came back. Quote, down to his last few dollars, he spotted a newspaper ad. Milford, Kansas, population 2,000, was looking for a doctor. He and Minnie loaded up their fliver and arrived there on October 7, 1917. On the edge of town, Brinkley stopped, and the car shivered into silence. Milford had lied to them. Their population wasn't 2,000. It was 200. If it stood on a chair. Located 95 miles north of Wichita and 10 miles to the exact ge geographical center of the nation, Milford was about as close as you could get to the navel of the United States and about as interesting to contemplate. That bitch full of lint. Oh, so it was in Oklahoma. Yeah. In 1859, traveler Horace Greenlee wrote that the buffalo moved quickly through the area. As I should sure... I should urgently advise them to do. Since the town had grown to the length of two blocks, its lone attempt at grandeur, a large building misguidedly salvaged from the 1904 St. Louis World, World's Fair, stood empty and derelict. The train station was in a cornfield. Many took one look at Milford and burst into tears, but they had no, but they had no choice. So they rolled up their sleeves in the Brinkley's rented two rooms, opened an office in the front, and put their bed in the back. They added a small drugstore, and in the weeks that followed, they began to make a name for themselves. Brinkley traveled miles to make house calls, even after the snow hits, and many hired out as a midwife. Even so, they were just barely getting by. Then one day, a 46-year-old farmer, Bill Stitzworth, appeared at the door, big-featured, unshaven, in a crumpled hat. His visit didn't seem like the Annunciation any more than he looked like the Archangel Gabriel, 
at least at first. Quote, There's something wrong with me, Stitzworth said. And he'd taken a seat. Though you'd look at me, you wouldn't judge it. I look husky, don't I? <laughs> he sounds like a husky fella. Brinkley nodded and stroked his goatee, his habitual tick. I'm all in, the patron ventured. No pep, I'm a flat tire. Eventually, he spilled it out. Dr. Brinkley, perhaps mindful he could be staying there a while, replied that over the years he had tried serums, medicine, and electricity, but nothing had worked on that condition. There was no cure. A pause as they gazed out the window. He never tried the pea spot. Too bad I don't have billy goat nuts, the farmer remarked, pondering the livestock. Exactly what happened next is in dispute. According to the book Life of a Man by Clement Wood, the self-promotional Fantasia commissioned by Brinkley himself in the 1930s, the doctor half-closed his eyes and considered, and then shook his head slowly. The code of ethics his father had drilled into him forever forbade him from any conduct, especially with relation to healing, except the utterly honest and straightforward. The farmer pleaded and threatened, Brinkley demurred. But what if something went wrong? But the patient wouldn't take no for an answer, and the doctor finally agreed to try. Yeah, I'm sure he had to twist this scumbag's arm real hard. This was his version. Sawbones, sawbones, you gotta give me them nuts. It's you, you gotta, you gotta shove them put me full of those sack, doc. You gotta just fucking cum balls. I, 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 I need, need you to put them goat testicles right in my bag. If you don't take so that was. That was Brinkley's commissioned version of events. Very accurate, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nobody's ever lied for money. Yeah, so I'm going to continue the story. That was his version. Stitzworth family later contended that it was Brinkley who offered the farmer money, and then even more money, hundreds of dollars, to submit to the experiment. However it happened, from Brinkley's point of view, it was his ticket to the top, if it worked. Bag seems a little light, much like a burlap cat. I figure if I fill it up a little bit, might get a little more lubricitous. You're looking a little deflated there, friend. I'll give you about $12. Let me shove a couple of goat testicles in there. He had always known that for an operator with big dreams, the percentage of people with cancer, for example, is discouragingly small. But a working drive shaft is as fundamental as sunshine. What a better place to hang out one's shingle. Neither man wanted publicity, at least not yet. So two nights later, while Milford slept, Stitzworth slipped back into the clinic. He stripped down and climbed onto the operating table, masked, gowned, and rubber-gloved. Brinkley entered with a small silver tray, carried in both hands like the host. On it were two goat testicles in a bed of cotton. He set down the, set down the tray, injected anesthetic, and it was over in less than 15 minutes. One of them paid the other, and the farmer went home. Over in less than 15 minutes? Yeah, it doesn't take a whole lot of time to cut open a bag, put stuff in it, and then sew the bag back up. When you say injected with anesthetic, are we talking, like, chemicals, or is this, like, old crow bourbon? It's like, probably old crow bourbon. It's probably old crow. Old crow, the bourbon that saved the union. We're not <laughs> sponsored, but I want to be. So... Days passed. The doctor's heart was a battleground. Avarice and fear. Then, after two long weeks, the farmer reappeared 
with a smile on his face. Oh. My dick rot off! Now the goat was out of the bag. <laughs> the goat was... No, the goats were in the bag. I think the goats were technically out of a bag. hey Stitzworth's, hey, they were out of their own bag. Stitzworth spread the word, and another farmer, age 38, tried it. Success! Other locals trickled in, like Charlie Tassine from the barber shop. Then, Mrs. Stitworth insisted on a matching set of goat ovaries. Oh, because she wanted to be able to keep up with her new goat horny husband. They want to make they want to make the Jersey Devil. They just want to make now, the I just, Jersey I, Devil. I, I, I do want to mention, it's, did he attach anything down there? Or was he just, no, he like, just, he was he just, just, cut he was it open just shoveling goat balls No, just putting rotting flesh inside a living man yep. and then sewed it back up and leaving town fast enough that they don't die of the fucking sepsis. Did, apparently it got his dick back up. I don't think it did. But, no, the thing is, is that probably had nothing to do with it. Like I was saying earlier, it was probably the placebo effect because a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, what we call ED today is, like, issues with confidence. So if you get some goat testicles shoved in your nutsack you, and you think that it's going to make your dick harder, it's probably going to work because you think your dick's magic now. Also... Oh, my husband, there are extra lumps in your downstairs. Oh, so big. It jangles around like a coin purse full of quartz rocks. Uh... <laughs> On top of confidence, I think a big part of ED today, not enough people are paying attention to the walnut. We've talked about it. We're off, not getting into the, the walnut. Nobody on getting, this show. No, I'm not saying we're not going to get oh. into it, but your lady. And Colin needs to stop it. referring to the prostate as the walnut. You don't have to get dirty. You don't got to play in the mud. Just call it the prostate. You don't got to play in the mud to make it rain. That's all I'm saying. So, Mrs. Stitworth insisted on a pair of goat ovaries shoved in her guts. Dimly, wrote Clement Wood, Brinkley had begun to realize that he was gifted beyond the run of doctors, and that a man so blessed could not be bound by the, quote, jealous sheep ethics of the American Medical Association. Some weeks it later... Be bothered by the Hippocratic Oath. Some weeks later... Brinkley went to Chicago for a brush-up surgery course taught by Morris Fishbean's former professor, Dr. Max Thorick. Brinkley failed the class, as the teacher later explained, due to his attendance not being regular and because of his indulgence to alcohol. I admonished him to leave liquor alone and to concentrate on a worthwhile endeavor and improve himself as the man and physician, to which he replied, quote, I have a scheme up my sleeve, and the whole world will hear about it. I had a similar conversation with my uh, American literature professor when I told her I was dropping out of college. She was like, you should probably not do that. I'm like, I got a scheme up my sleeve. I got and something folks, hidden, and it's called... You're listening to it. It's this podcast. It's called a podcast. It's called a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So, he started doing this for a while, just, you know, shoving testicles and nut sacks and ovaries into guts, as one does. And he charged $750 for it, which is about $10,000 in today's money. A lot of scratch. Claiming that shoving goat testicles in your nut sack, 
or goat testicles, sometimes ovaries, into women's guts, would cure impotence and infertility in women. He also claimed it would enlarge their breasts and get rid of wrinkles. Eventually, Stitzworth's wife had goat glands shoved into her, and she was finally able to become pregnant and gave birth to a child. They named him Billy. That's hilarious. Oh, that's When that's you say terrible. that she had goat's glands shoved into her, my first thought was like, oh, on the... <laughs> she had goat's glands shoved into her. Did her husband not notice? <laughs> she had a little, little, little thing on the side, is what I'm saying. So, uh, in one year, he made enough money to open up a 16-room clinic. He paid good wages and was hailed as a savior during the 1918 flu pandemic. He only lost one patient. So apparently he wasn't, like, as completely garbage as a doctor, but you also got to keep Was not 100% a quack. No, apparently he was was very good during the 1918 flu pandemic and helped a lot of people. But you got to keep in mind, he only lost one patient, but there's only 200 people living in the town. So you got to keep in mind that, as we know from our current pandemic that we're in, more rural areas don't have the issue of, you know... Uh, such um, accelerated exposure and that kind of thing. You know, if like if one person gets it, probably the only people that are going to get it are the people that are around them, which is like their family. You know, it's people don't really intermingle as much. Folks in the UP during Corona, like most people in the UP, uh, Upper Peninsula, Michigan, for you non Michiganders them fucking youpers fucking youpers those like none of them got covid fucking like none of and they never locked down they're like why would i stop going to the bar it's just the same 15 people that have been going to the bar with me at 2 p.m on a on a wednesday for the past 15 years they don't go anywhere else none of them have family that aren't in the ground or up here It wasn't just sexual problems that Brinkley claimed to fix, though. I'm going to quote again from the book. As for the benefits of the goat testicle, he claimed that that they had scarcely been tapped. Letters from former patients reported an astonishing sexual vigor, whose details cannot be more than hinted at. And there was also more good news, Brinkley said, citing the case of a deranged youth who had been told finally that he was incurable and must remain a mental defective. He had decided to commit suicide if I failed to remedy his condition. In 36 hours after the insertion of goat glands, this patient's temperature had risen to over 103 degrees, but became normal 24 hours later and has since remained so. His mind has gradually cleared, and he looks and feels younger and is contemplating marriage. The hideous dreams and nightmares which had destroyed his sleep and rest. All his past life had left him. My second case of insanity, caused this time by excessive masturbation, was a young bank clerk brought to me from a state institution. Following gland transplantation, his mind was cleared and completely, and he is now the head of a large banking institution. So these goat testicles both make you more horny and less horny? They make you the right amount of horny. That's the yep, thing. Exactly they regulate the right horny. horny. That's the problem with only two balls. Two balls? That's not enough balls to regulate all the mans floating around in there. You know what I'm saying? So you need four balls. 
All right. Four yep. balls. That's enough to keep you regular. All right. More so than a bran muffin. More so than a little spoonful of nutritional yeast on your cob salad. Goat balls. And the, yep. those balls, as Tyler said, have yet to be tapped. So, I'm going to continue the quote. Sir, curing sexual problems in dementia was only beginning. The Ponce de Leon of Kansas <laughs> soon discovered that goat glands worked wonders on 27 different ailments, big and small, from emphysema to flatulence. Brinkley cautioned that there was no guarantees. His operation only had about a 95% success rate. It's, you know, there's and he no added, guarantee. Yeah, and he added cannily that it worked less on, quote, stupid types. So he would tell people, this didn't work on dumb people, so if it doesn't work on you, you're fucking stupid. Hey, did these goat nuts not stop you from farting? Well, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> oh, I'm going to diagnose you it. with moron hole. That's the problem. Your hole's too stupid. It doesn't know when to close. We got to stuff it with all these goat glands. Jam them up uh, your I ass. Shit them right so out. I, b- I bet you guys are wondering how he shoved these goat nuts into people. Oh, Tyler, Please, Tyler. give us a technical explanation of how he shoved these goat nuts into people. I want a crime to describe to BB. Do you want it in the old-timey voice, or you want it in my voice? Old-timey voice. You know we want it in the old-timey voice. Sometimes he slivered the goat gland into, like a clove of garlic <laughs> and, put <the> pe- <laughs> and put the pieces into the patient. You gotta smash Sometimes, it the Allison. So it wouldn't even be a whole goat nut. He would, he would sliver Sometimes. it like There's it only so many Sometimes. goats, Justin. It's a hot Sometimes. commodity. Sometimes he joined the smaller testicle into the larger, a process he likened to embedding a marble into an apple. Uh, Sometimes the operation was no more complex than tossing a Christmas present into a bag. <laughs> Skill wasn't the issue, technically speaking. He was a competent surgeon when he put his mind to it. But, but quality control was iffy at best. <laughs> quality control! Like tossing a present into a bag? Yeah. It's a direct quote just, from the book. I'm just imagining like the merging a, a marble quote. into an apple, and I'm like, so shoving, so Slivered you're taking like a marble a and you're just fucking garlic. pushing it into an apple. Oh my god, who puts a marble in an apple? <laughs> what the? And fuck? why is that such a ready wait, comparison wait a for this author? Wait a second. Wait a fucking rewind. That's that's a direct quote it's from John Brinkley. Human ball and the goat ball, or the goat ball and the human no. He's ball? taking he's taking the the two goat balls and he's putting the smaller one into the bigger one. Are you sure? And then that he's it's inserting not... the, the 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 ball ducking into the testicle. Sack. I feel like Some... he's saying that he's putting the human ball in the goat ball. No, he's he put he took the two the two goat balls and he would put the smaller one into the bigger one so that way it could go in easier. It's literally a quote right here. It's literally right here. I have it in front of me. Well, these are some big balls, though, Tyler. That's all I'm saying. These are big balls. Oh, my God. He's like the fourth fourth fucking goddamn result A Google image for goat testicles versus human testicles. He's like right there. There's a Vice article about him. And goats got big nuts. They got huge fucking nuts. How'd they even fit them? Did this guy become governor? <laughs> Cut that out. I'm getting to that. Oh, my God. Place. Stop researching. <laughs> Cut that. Fuck. 
Stop Google, motherfucker. Go um, another thing you guys need to know about John Brinkley is he was kind of a feminist icon. He had two quotes. All energy is sex energy. That sounds like some fucking Charles Manson would say. That's fucking, oh, yeah, right? And he said, also, a man is only as old as his glands. You're only as old as he, your balls, he kid. Talked, he talked in depth about fucking women's orgasms in the 1910s. Oh, I'm, which is oh, I'm like, sorry, King. Oh, I'm that so, was when the women's orgasm was a cryptic. Thing. I think you dropped it. Oh, my God. He's fucking, he's like, he's like, two things in this world I love more than anything. More yeah, than I'll... Anything. The look on a woman's face when I make, make her fucking toes crinkle when I'm fucking elbow deep in a fucking snatch. And cutting open people and putting gold balls inside of them. Yep. One one thing, I think I have it in here, but if it's not, um, I'm just going to say it now. He claimed he could improve <laughs> women's clitorises. Uh, <laughs> certain certain does extremist he, does he state religious groups in what way? Africa nope. the Middle East also agree with that statement, Tyler. Brinkley. Insisted on using a specific type of goat, um, which are Toggenberg goats. But one client from California insisted in, on the testicles of an Angora goat. Brinkley finally agreed, but what the client didn't know is that Angora goats smelled terrible. And it was too late before he found out that his genitals smelled like a fucking barnyard, and it will stay there forever. It, so was that really the Angora goat's fault, or was it the, the rotting Angora goat flesh inside of his ball? Apparently bag? the Toggenberg ones I mean, they eventually killed... I just bad, feel like we haven't mentioned it enough. Did. These are gonna rot inside of you, and then kill you. You will die, you'll get blood poisoning, and die. And, like, if you're lucky... The only thing that happens is your dick and balls yeah. rot off. If you're lucky. Otherwise, you just fuck... It goes right to your brain and you turn yep. into fucking Al Capone. <laughs> so when Brinkley was drunk, which was a lot, he described his patients as old fools. He did this for a couple of years, made a fuck ton of money on this. Takes It takes, takes 15 minutes. But, eventually... In 1920, he went to Chicago to perform goat transplants in oh, front of an actual hospital staff. Mm -mm. Oh, boy. In an actual OT operating theater. They watched on, horrified, as he shoved goat balls into the nut sacks and guts of 34 people, 31, women, 31 men and 3 women, including a judge and an alderman. I'm going to read another quote. You can't see Justin and I are From making Charlotte. the same face where it's like crunched, like clenched and like scrunched up in horror and disgust. Sorry, Tyler. Go on with your quote now that we're adequately disgusted. One testimonial in particular made at the Milford Messiah, a national star. It came from a 71-year-old J.J. Tobias, chancellor at the University of Chicago Law, who was described by the Syracuse Herald as a Thin, small, wiry type, incredibly frolicsome, with a crushing handshake. After the operation, did he really feel younger? 
He said, I feel 25 years younger, the Chancellor cried. I'm a new man, full of pep, strong, healthy, ready to go on with my work. I was ill, played out, but the, con but the operation revivified me. He dropped into a put-em-up boxer pose. How does it feel to have been old, one reporter asked, and then to be young again? Glorious! It was so wonderful, it was almost unbelievable. The public cannot appreciate what this operation means. It has been some levity over the news of gland operations, but they should be treated with the greatest they respect and admiration. They watched this happen 34 fucking times and didn't stop him. I mean, how often have we watched someone bomb on stage and just been like, hmm, we better let this one play out. But We're not going to grab them by the ankles and drag them off. Giving so, a thir fucking 34 people blood poisoning. Hey, so I believe we should bring back slavery, but just get this, get this, oh my God, stick that with guy, me. It was so bad. With oh my midgets God, and I'm not sorry. with it was We're talking about a live comedy performance at an open mic from over a year ago. And it's so bad, it burned itself into Justin and I's psyche, and it is the bellwether for performing badly. That's why this podcast is so low quality, because we're confident in our abilities, because we're better than that guy. Because we put the bar we're jumping over on the fucking ground. Brinkley, after this, did a tour of New England, 1921. And he said, at one of his uh, medical conferences, quote, At this moment, I cannot... Cure the blind. Six months from now, I think I will be able to do so. No evidence exists that he ever performed such experiments. He never mentioned them again, but the claim alone served its purpose. There were whispers that he might soon be able to raise the dead. I put goat balls right in his eyes. I science. put a goat brain in him and I went full Herbert West. Now hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. I put goat balls right in his fucking brain. Cut his fucking skull open, dropped him right out. So I skull fucked this corpse, and I swear to God, it it ran around for a little bit. Um, people that worked for for Brinkley said he was incredibly awkward at first, and really? he would he would constantly be sitting in his, his office pointing guns at people. Uh, <laughs> Is that what counts as awkward in early twentieth century America? One, I don't fucking know you. One night. One night for an unknown re like literally nobody knows why, for an unknown reason, he got drunk and took an axe and destroyed his neighbor's car, and then people <laughs> reported that they would see patients running out of the back door of the clinic to be followed a minute later by a stumbling Brinkley with a butcher knife. What if he was just straight up killing people? Distinctly possible, I suppose. And uh, I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote again from Charlatan. In March 1921, a Milford resident named Jesse Wilson had a protection order taken out against him. As Brinkley explained it, I guess some remarks concerning this fellow that caused him to be afraid, I guess. And they put me under a bond. I don't know whether I was arrested or not, but they had to give me a bond of $1,000 to not shoot him. Dude is literally like, I got arrested for something, and this dude has a protection order out on me. I don't fucking remember what happened. It's blackout wasted. That's like most of my time spent in Ann Arbor and Chicago. I don't remember a lot of it. Yeah, I'm sure Brinkley doesn't either. Oh, all his time in Chicago. We just. How many times do you think him and H.H. H. Holmes just bumped it on the street 
and H.H. H. Holmes is like brain full of ether and fucking Brinkley's just like too drunk to be alive yeah. and they're just like hey and they do like the finger guns thing at each I other like, like, you. Uh, you're, you're running your con oh you're running your con sick so at this time he was making the equivalent of six and a half million dollars a year yeah so he didn't keep all of the earnings for himself though and that be might be one of the reasons why the town put up with him he paid for new sidewalks, a new sewer system, a new post office, new uniforms for the Little League baseball team, afterwards named the Brinkley Goats. Electric, <laughs> of course. Electric lights for the town, a new bank, paved two-mile road between his clinic and the railroad station, and he also bought a bear in an attempt to start a zoo, which he later shot and killed, yet again drunk, because it was, quote, keeping him up at night and he couldn't sleep. <laughs> I do like the image of like somebody just drunk in long johns, like bottle of old crow in their hand, fucking like, cattleman's loading a the fucking other. gun like this fucking bear, and he's like this fucking bear. I can't believe oh. they make so much goddamn noise. I can't fucking noise. believe these goddamn bears. I'm too fucking drunk for this. God damn it! So. He also built a church, and he wanted it to be named the Brinkley Methodist Church. But they were like, no. Like, no. Yeah, somehow I feel like the Methodist Church establishment had a problem with that. So then, uh... They're like, we're actually Episcopalians. Yeah, so he actually settled on a plaque that he built. It. <laughs> he settled on a plaque. He's like, alright, well, you won't... You said no to putting me on the cross. Then you said no to putting my name on the church. <laughs> I'll take a plaque out front. Okay, you drive a hard I'll take the consolation prize. As long as the communion wafers are slivered like a garlic clove, <laughs> goat testicles. So, Just dry I'm going to read another quote from Charlatan. How did the, the doctor handle all this success? The end of another long day, he was unwinding in the first floor room of his clinic with some bootleg hooch in a company with Steffels and in company with several staffers. The talk grew lively. The liquor flowed till suddenly Brinkley lunged for the instrument case, announcing he was going to, quote, cut all their throats. Nurses tried to, nurses tried to hold him, but he wrenched free and gave his visiting father-in-law, Dr. Tiberius Gracious Jones, a severe bite wound on, wound on the thumb. Hearing the shouts and crashes from below, patients on the second floor came, became alarmed. One leapt from his bed, knotted some sheets together, and started to lower himself out the window trying to run away. Before he reached the ground, however, he paused against the side of the building, ear cocked to the sudden silence. Brinkley's assistant, Dr. Osborne, had brought matters to a close by clubbing his boss over the head with a board. You know what? That's that is a damn good assistant. Oh, you're too drunk for this. Black. Yeah. That's how our that's how our podcast steering committee uh, meetings go. I I'd like we get to a point where I'm starting to drunkenly threaten that I'm gonna slit their throats, and then Justin knocks me over the head with a piece of wood, and then Tyler and Justin finish the meeting. Yeah. Get your two by fours out. Get your fucking two by fours out, Collins gotten into the whiskey <laughs> colin colin's feeling pretty rich and rare right now Col <laughs> colin got into the double vodka as he calls it 
It's it is double vodka. Oh, Everclear oh you've got your you, so you've been dissolving your edibles in Everclear. <laughs> so. <laughs> So then in 1922, a reporter from the L.A. Times named Harry Chandler asked Brinkley to come to California and give one of his editors goat nuts. Chandler said, Chandler said, quote, If this operation is a success, I'll make you the most famous surgeon in America. If it doesn't work, I'll damn you with the same gusto. An issue that Brinkley had was that his quack degree did not allow him to practice medicine in California. So he applied for a temporary license and was approved to practice medicine in California for 30 days. He would do a goat gland operation on Harry Andrews, the editor, a U.S. circuit court judge, and some unnamed Hollywood stars, and apparently Harry Chandler himself. Reports say Brinkley made $40,000 or over half a million dollars in today's money in that 30 days. At the time, Buster Keaton put some goat gland gags in his two-reeler cops. So, at this time, he, like, that's how big it was. Buster Keaton made jokes about it, and it was, like, common knowledge for people. Like, everybody Yeah, like, one of the biggest stars of the day. Yeah. Was, was calling this guy out. Honestly, I'm not shocked. The mainstream media has always been corrupt. And if this had happened today, it would have been a goddamn BuzzFeed listicle. Yep. So. Or should I say, a goat listicle. Oh. <laughs> Colin, you card. So. so, um, at the time, he desperately wanted to move his operation to California. So I'm going to read another quote from Charlatan. Before settling on a site, the Hidalgo Hotel in Encedina, California, on June 18th, he announced he would convert it to a 36-room hospital. I secured a location at Encedina because of what would appear to be climactic conditions particularly favorable to goat gland operations, he said. To perform the operation most successfully, the surgeon should be located where the climate ranges around 70 degrees and is not subject to sharp changes. If the undertaking proves unsuccessful, a group of Los Angeles businessmen would stand ready to erect there an institution that costs from $500,000 to a million dollars. With Brinkley there was always a dream behind the dream. It's something that's hard to know for sure which he really nursed. And which were simply magic clouds of advertising. He promised a facility run, quote, along the lines of the Battle Creek Health Resort with the bonus of goat glands. The animals would be supplied by a rancher in Del Monte. So he had all this shit set up, right? but he still didn't have a medical degree. Yeah, of course not, because the guy's a fucking quack. He's describing the conditions for a sur- for a surgery. Yeah. A surgical procedure. The way you describe how you want to take care of a perm. Basically. 
and then he's also like, yeah, hey, you know that other, that fucking psycho from Michigan who's, like, cramming cereal down chronic masturbators' throats because he's, like, religiously sexually oppressed and is probably, you know, a gay guy who just hates everything that people do. Cornflakes uh, in one end and yogurt in the other. Go Joseph Kellogg. It's going to be like that even better, though. Yep. Because I'm going to be cutting the nuts off some goats. <laughs> so. Putting them inside you. Getting some fucking hedge trimmers. Fucking going to town. We call that a busy afternoon. After this didn't work. Obviously. <laughs> How could it have not? Because he was too lazy to actually go to a medical school. <laughs> uh, heat started coming down on the goat gland operations from the AMA and Morris Fishbean in particular. What? Yes. There's consequences to your actions? Oh so, my god! Dr. Fishbean! So he decided to switch to something already popular at the time. Selling crushed up goat testicles. Fuck from yeah. companies like... You ready for these names? Please tell me yeah, I fuck, fucking I, IG I, Farben. I love old-timey mm -hmm. medical mm -hmm. names. Vitalogland, Glandine, Glandol, and Glanadine, and much more. Glanadine started. S I'm gonna name my first starter Glanadine. Glanadine sounds like something you would dash into a cocktail. Yep. So it sounds like grenadine. <laughs> exactly. So eventually, uh, Brinkley would start selling what he called quote special gland emulsion, which was sold mail order for a hundred dollars, rectal syringe included. <laughs> That's called a Shirley Testy. It's yep. a pointy a enema. Testy temple. Because it's, see, it's it's like he's putting clanadine in a cocktail. Yeah, like, like, like grenadine and 7-Up. And Call that Testy Temple. And that's what we'll pick back up for episode two. Oh, God, Tyler, you dropped so Fuck many goat guy. testicles on us, and then you just, you left us hanging. We're buried in the fucking mound of glands. There's so many glands. Mm. I don't like the term. Gland. Yeah, I don't like it's. It's just call them nuts, dude. Call them testicles. Call them testes. Well, he couldn't. That's the medical he term. Couldn't call the, he couldn't, he couldn't call them testes because he was also doing the ovaries in in women too. So it had to be. Well, he could just. You could say testes. I yeah. Used testes yeah, yeah, I, I get. I get for the writer. He's gonna say. Yeah. He's saying well, glands. Well, a bunch. glands. Glands was the was the the way they kind of marketed it, um, because it was, it was already like a popular thing to sell like crushed up cow nuts or whatever to give to people like it was it was like whatever they give to people. it was like a common thing for like hundreds of years that they had just you know it was just called like cow glands goat glands yeah it, isn't that it was just common isn't how they it. make that uh those jars of gravy they crush up a bunch of cow nuts probably Heinz yeah, 57 so anyway we'll pick back up for episode two on john brinkley where, we'll f where we will find out about his governorship run. <laughs> becoming the pioneer of country music. And becoming an early Alex Jones. Dude, I, absolutely... I love this guy. Because he's like, he's the perfect American. Yep. Right? He's Joe Exotic. He's Alex Jones. He's H.H. Holmes. He's like, he's the perfect synthesis of, I am a piece of shit. I'm a piece of shit that uh, lies my way through every cir circumstance. I'm a lying piece of shit who figured out how to make a lot of money by being a lying piece of shit. And then I tried to be governor. 
<laughs> and as and we'll I am find so out, excited to bring this guy back. As we'll week. find out, he came incredibly close to being the governor of Kansas. Better governor than Rick Snyder ever was. Tell you that. <laughs> hey oh, hey oh. How many how many boners did Rick Snyder help create? Probably none. He probably is a negative. Absolutely probably none negative. of his own. Exactly. Just saying, there's been worse governors. So anyway, we'll see you guys for episode two. Yeah, we'll see you guys Later. next time. Bye. 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 Bye.